episode of Beyond the Front Door is brought to you by Peak Properties in Cheyenne, Wyoming. With over 75 years of combined experience in real estate, it's our goal to help clients buy and sell and save by providing the information you want and the professional services you expect. Let us help you with your residential, commercial, HUD, income-producing properties, as well as vacant land and rental needs. To learn more, visit www.sellcheyenne.com. Okay. Welcome. You're listening to Beyond the Front Door podcast with Lindy and Rhea. And we're real estate agents at Peak Properties in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And we bring you real estate stories that will inspire you, make you laugh, cringe, maybe cry. Come on in. We put the real in real estate. Good morning. Yay. We're really excited about our guest today. Um, It is Josh Boyer, and he is actually my brother-in-law. Yes. And I think we've talked about it before, how my whole family's in real estate. Yes. (laughs) And Josh was one of them. (laughs) So I'm going to start by just letting Josh tell us about himself, Um, you know, how your family, how how long um, you've lived in Cheyenne, you know, whatever you want to share. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, uh, I have uh, two kids and I've got one on the way. And yeah, we're all we're all in real estate. Um, I've got Emery and Gibson and baby Boyer number three on the way. We don't know if it's going to be a, a boy or a girl. So that's fun. To it's going to be a girl. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> I think you might be right. I think you might be right. But yeah, I uh, work for Fairway Independent Mortgage, uh, the High Plains team here in Cheyenne. I've been there since May of this year. Uh, been a mortgage lender. For going on 12 years in February, I uh, was at a company for a little over 10 years of, of that time, and mortgage world's kind of taken an interesting turn over the past year or two, and and so there's been some changes in the in the mortgage world, and thought it was a, a great time to to make a change in May. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The whole the whole real estate market kind of changed, so we kind of had to adapt. <laughs> yeah, when you're selling something for two and three times, when you look at interest rate, two and three times more than what you sold it for a year and a half ago, it's it's been a different it's been a different things. market. Yeah, 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 yeah it's absolutely. crazy. So, what brought you to Cheyenne? Um, that's uh, it's it's kind of a long story. I'll I'll shorten it up as as much as I can here, but. Um, you know, I played I played college baseball, and um, I've been in Cheyenne permanently since 2011. But I first started uh, coming to Cheyenne in 2007. So I, re- I remember the conversation. Um, I was at my freshman year in the weight room. Um, uh, my coach was in there, and he got a phone call from a, a summer coach out in Cheyenne for the for the Cheyenne Grizzlies it's a summer collegiate baseball league and they were looking in particular for for a shortstop and and I'm left-handed so that's that's not me (laughs) and they were looking uh, for Tony Spencer I remember it uh, pretty vividly because that that conversation kind of changed the course of my life and you know, coach said hey hey Tony you interested in going to Wyoming this summer to to play baseball and you know, Tony, he had already signed at, at Southeast Missouri State, and, you know, you could tell right away he wasn't very interested in, 
and going to Wyoming to go play baseball. And I kind of chimed in. I said, hey, they looking for any, you know, left-handed pitchers? Just kind of jokingly, really. And the coach, like, right then and there asked asked the coach uh, up in Cheyenne if they were looking for any pitching. And he's like, yeah, we can always use left-handed pitching. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll look at it. I've never been to Wyoming, so... Where was this from? Like, where were you at at the time? So I was in Farmington, Missouri. I, I was playing junior college ball at uh, Mineral Area College. It was okay. my freshman year. I was probably still 18 years old. And um, so I, I went home. I said, hey, Dad, there's this, you know, college summer league. I don't know. You go stay with host parents. It's, it's out in Wyoming. And his eyes lit up because, and I was like, <laughs> he's like you're going and I'm like what so it turns out um, he went to University of Texas and he had a, his roommate was from Gillette Wyoming oh interesting oh yeah. my gosh I didn't know that that is crazy <laughs> so his, uh, his roommate was from Gillette and they used to come backpacking up in the the Wind River Mountains and so I told him Wyoming and I didn't I mean I thought Cheyenne was his big city and I was like <laughs> well, you were yeah. in furish. Yeah. Awakening, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I ended up in in Cheyenne that summer, and there's there's something about a, a Cheyenne summer, um, you know, seventy degrees, no humidity like like Missouri, and those big beautiful skies. Yeah. Yes, and uh, you know, shout out to to Ron Cayley, the the owner of the Grizzlies then, and my host parents, the Belmontes and the Browns, for. Yeah taking care of a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids. And, uh, yeah, the, the ball was fun. I loved Vitavu was, was one of my favorite spots and, you know, had su- some success baseball wise and, um, had another year at my junior college. And, you know, I, I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to come back next summer. And there was three or four of us that became really good friends that summer. And we said, yeah, let's, let's go back to Cheyenne. And, uh, so, you know, graduated from, from Mac, um, came out to, to, to Cheyenne for that summer. I still hadn't signed to a a four-year school yet. And that, that summer, actually, I, I met, uh, Krista. Uh, you guys might know Krista, right? (laughs) Um, so, you know, immediately we, we clicked and, um, we, we started dating right away. And, you know, eventually I ended up at Northern Colorado uh, played baseball there for my last two years, and uh, we actually had our daughter Emery in my my senior year of college. And so once once school was over, baseball was over. It you know naturally just ended up in in Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. I know my dad. Um, he he was so excited for me to go out to Cheyenne to go experience Wyoming, and um, I, I don't think he knew I. I'd end Stay up here. here. Yeah, <laughs> he probably thought you were coming back home yeah, at some point. Yeah, I, I might come back. But yeah, I have, I have three younger brothers. I'm the only one that kind of ended up outside oh, of our our little hometown. But um, yeah, I, I love it out in Cheyenne. I really do. And uh, you know, got a degree in, in finance. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do after college. I coached for Post Six for a little bit. Um, then went to Riverton, Wyoming, uh, worked on the res uh, at the Arapahoe Middle School, teaching kids how to how to read. Um, they had some, you know, some lower test scores up there, so there was this state program called Wyoming Reads, and we just did individual 
tutoring sessions with with kids up there from you know first grade to eighth grade and that that was cool but it was it was four hours away and how do you so, go from a finance degree to it was teaching kids give me a job oh, okay it was, it was one of those where can i get a job right yeah, yeah. I, gotcha. I mean i was okay. i was coaching baseball they don't you know they don't pay all that well and um you know it, they they said 29 bucks an hour and i you know my eyes kind of lit up like like sure. my dad's when I talk about <laughs> Wyoming, right? And, uh, a buddy of mine uh, that I coached with that summer, we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll go up there. And so that was about October. Uh, we went up there, and it was it was a really cool experience. We did some hunting up there. I got to see the Wind River Mountains that mm-hmm. my dad talked about. Yeah. And, you know, by the time January rolled around and making that trip and hitting the deer by Sweetwater Junction – um, I, I, I just about had enough of, of being up there all week and driving back during the weekends. And so in January called it quits. And, and by February, um, I, I had applied at a ton of state of Wyoming jobs and just wasn't having any luck with, you know, I had a degree in finance. I was starting to wonder if it's because I didn't, you know, go to university of Wyoming and and uh you know with with deb and and krista being in real estate and and me with the finance degree naturally it you know it just made sense to try to be a mortgage lender and this is another kind of ironic story this uh gal her, her she was a, a loan officer at, at wells fargo mm-hmm. and uh she had worked with deb and corey uh, on a couple of deals and, and Deb started talking about, about me, like, Hey, my, you know, my future son-in-law, well, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just graduated. He, he's got a degree in finance and she's like, Oh, you should have him come apply at Wells Fargo. And I'd never met this gal. Her name was Deanna Mills. And, uh, so I interviewed at, at Wells Fargo to be a, a mortgage lender, you know, had no experience in the industry at all. And, um, but, you know, got the job, and, and, and three months later, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a loan, and at Wells Fargo, at a bank, you can kind of lend anywhere in the country. My younger brother is in the Army, and I was, I was doing a loan for him back in my hometown in Farmington, Missouri. Cool. That's pretty cool. And Deanna worked at the, the Dell Range branch. I worked downtown, and we had weekly meetings, and I'm looking at this appraisal, and I'm still brand, brand new, and I'm like, hey, Deanna, c- come over here. Like, we we look at this? Um, I don't really know what this means. And she looks at the appraisal and she goes, Farmington, Missouri? Who do you know from Farmington, Missouri? And I go, well, it, it's my brother. I, You know, that's where I grew up. And she goes, I'm from Farmington, Missouri. Oh, interesting. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, what? what? Are you small kidding? world. And I was like, you're, you're the, like, the Mills? Like, the basketball coach Mills? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, because oh. Farmington is like how many people? Uh, I think it was like fourteen thousand people, and it's everybody I mean, knows everybody. Everybody knows yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. and somehow yeah. you end up in Cheyenne. Yeah, I yeah. feel like we feel that way sometimes. With, I know we're in Wyoming, but you run into people, and you're like, you're from Gillette. You know, you know, you, we're all like tied together somehow, one step removed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, I was at Wells Fargo for a while, and. Um, Wells Fargo is a tough place to, to do, to do home loans. Um, 
and you know I had family in the real estate business and and it's a big corporate company I appreciate the opportunity to to kind of get my foot mm-hmm. in the door in the mortgage world and you know really started to like it I didn't know a whole lot about the the mortgage industry at that point but worked with some some great people there and then got an opportunity to work with a you know a smaller bank that kind of ruled the ruled the market in in Cheyenne and and it was a great opportunity and uh, worked worked there for for 10 years really really did think I would retire there but um, things change you know, things change yeah market yep. got a little little funky after <laughs> after the uh, the pandemic and inflation started to you know make the fed pump up interest rates and things started to, to slow down and mm-hmm. um, you know just it was the right time to make a change and I, I really couldn't be happier with the, the company that I'm at with fairway yep. um, so yeah here, here we are. I wonder how many stories we're going to hear where your mom is at the bottom of them. <laughs> sort of helped. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Catapult somebody into their life. You know, it just seems like we're going to, she's always paying attention to those things mm-hmm. and kind of trying to um, get people where they're meant to be. So she's great at that. Yeah. Very appreciative of that. Yeah. Because, you know, you get a finance degree and I always knew I wanted to, to, to go into business. I was a, I was a good student. You know, I, I was I was a ball player at heart, but like mm-hmm. I was a good I was a really good student. Yeah, um, knew I wanted to go to business, and and I remember being asked by you know your your counselor in college, like, okay, you you, you want to major in business? Got it. Like, what do you want it, the emphasis to be? And I was not prepared for that question. I was well, still... and then high school, how do you really know? You know, I mean, you kind of have like you probably knew business, finance, like those were your skill sets or that's yeah. where you're the strongest, but how do you actually know where that's going to take you in terms of And a you probably didn't even know the words mortgage. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, not not even <laughs> yeah. not even kind of. Yeah. No. And, and so, you know, you're you're 19, 20 years old and they say, "Hey, what do you want to emphasize in?" And and literally, I, I was in that office, and I, like, looked at the list of, like, four or five things, and it was, like, management, it was finance, it was accounting, and I was like, accounting is boring, um, management, man, let's, let's go finance. And so, you know, I got the, the degree in finance, and, you know, 70% of the way through, I'm like, well, this is... Most of these guys are going to be, you know, they're going to be financial advisors mm-hmm. or, or insurance agents, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I, that just wasn't wasn't for me. And and when you're 21 years old, 22 years old, you move to a new community, you're like, I don't know anybody with any money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and you're so young. And if you're going to be like a financial advisor, it's just like in the real estate world. If somebody comes in to be a realtor when they're 22 years old, how do you gain the trust right. of yes. people around you? So yeah, that makes complete sense. That brings up a, a good story. Cause I was, um, my grandparents, they have this place in, in New Mexico and we were there for Thanksgiving and he, you know, he's a pretty successful individual. And he said, hey, Josh, so what do you what do you want to do after college? And I said, well, I think, you know, naturally, I think I'm going to be a financial advisor. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, what what makes you think a young pup like you, I'm going to trust $2 million of my money with someone fresh out of college? You don't know anything. Yep. And that was a, that was a. a eye opener. Big eye opener. And I was like. Okay, maybe I <laughs> need to rethink maybe I, that. Maybe I re- need to rethink this. Um, 
and so you know I had a couple of the job offers out of out of college and just didn't feel like it was the the right move I just didn't have that faith to leap on and the insurance side of things didn't really intrigue me all that much either and so I, I coached I coached baseball for a while that sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun too <laughs> yep um, do you have any, you know, as a lender, we always hear these like crazy stories and, um, they're always cautioning, you know, our buyers don't buy anything before you close on your house. Cause you can mess up a deal. Have you heard any stories where someone bought it or has it happened to you at all? Bought a car the day before closing. Yeah. I hope yeah. not. It hasn't <laughs> happened to me. So I hope. I mean, it, it happens to you once, and, and then you just reiterate it at the very beginning. Like, don't buy anything on credit. Don't buy anything on credit. Don't apply and for credit. Don't, don't apply for it. Don't, don't do anything. Don't breathe. No. Um, don't buy furniture. I know you want to furnish your house. Don't look at the furniture. Sure. Don't think about it. No. Um, you know, I, you, you've heard the horror stories, people buying a vehicle right before closing, and you know, it's after you do the credit pool, you get their job and income verified, you, you know, you show that they have the down payment money. And then they, you know, in two weeks before closing, they'll go out and buy a vehicle. And now your your debt ratio is too high. You can't afford it. man. it's mm-hmm. it's happened. It hasn't happened to me with the with the vehicle purchase. Um, what about I've, losing a job? Losing a job has happened. Quitting um, a job. You know, the the quitting the job. I've is, had this happen. Is, uh, that's that's actually happened, or just it, not necessarily quitting, but switching. Switching jobs. And not thinking that you have to tell your lender. Right. That's a little frustrating, but you know the good loan officers can think on their toes, and and uh, I, that that one instance that I'm thinking about, we did get it done. Um, we we got the loan closed. He's. It's not like he quit making money. He just making it in a completely different career field. So, um, so that's, I guess that would just to back up for a second, if you switch companies and it's the same career, is that easier than if you do completely change careers? If you completely change careers and you go to like an hourly position where there's no guaranteed hours two weeks before closing, there's, there is no No. two weeks before closing because there is no closing. Okay. So, you know, my, my story in particular, and I got bad vibes from this particular gal right away. Um, you know, she, she came in, she came in to get pre-approved and she brought her cat with her on a leash. <laughs> oh. she, she did. She brought the cat with her on a leash and, <laughs> you know, I'm a dog guy. So, so. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I am. That's um, funny. She, she, you know, came in with the cat on a leash, and uh, she we shut the door because the cat, during the whole interview, meowed the whole time. Oh, my and, goodness. And this gal, and she's, you know, a little aloof, kind of, you know, a little scatterbrained. Um, she's like, you know, she's never normally like this. And I'm like, that cat's never Cats do not leash. leave houses usually. No, they, yeah. They <laughs> and definitely they not on a leash. Like, this cat's never been on a leash. I mean, before. cats are in charge. Right? Cats are in charge. You don't, I'm sure they're thinking, that cat was thinking to itself, why am I on a leash? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one and that like rules the roost here. like to bring an animal here. to a place of business yeah. that's not super tame or 
that wasn't invited is sure <laughs> or or making pre-arrangements because if you have a service animal like right. communicating yeah. with what, somebody you know, that you have a service animal. it's interesting i don't know if i've ever seen someone bring a cat no. in public no, I, that was my first time <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my first time and so you know i i get her pre-approved and you know there's a lot of moving parts with her financial situation but um we get her pre-approved to buy a house and you know we're a week and a half away from from closing and you know some some lenders will do a a, a soft pull on your credit report towards the very end of closing most of them do and we figure out if you if you got new debt, if you stopped making payments on things, mm-hmm. and and she had she had stopped making payments on credit cards. Wow. And you know, with that, you know, each lender's different, but we had to pull a new credit report, and at that point, score was too low. Too low. Mm-hmm. And I, and I said, what were what were you doing? Um, mm-hmm. What were we thinking? And she said, well, I needed the, the money for the down payment, so. I just stopped making the, the credit card payment. Oh, yeah. And so it's not like she got something new. It's not always about getting new, new debt things. or a new vehicle loan. Mm-hmm. you, you got to make sure that you continue to pay the stuff that, that you're already obligated to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we'll sometimes... And sometimes that is what happens is you go, you under, you're under contract and then you have to tighten up your finances because you are saving for a down payment and yeah. you kind of just have to go on like a spending freeze until you mm-hmm. get that house bought. Well, and really kind of a freeze overall. Yeah. Like don't switch jobs. Don't spend money. Don't, don't do anything. Don't do anything. <laughs> Sit tight for until this is done. Yeah. And, and there's, you got to be delicate in the way that you present that as the, as the loan officer. Because the, you know you you say the words hey you're you're approved, and sometimes that's all they hear. I'll go in more detail like hey you're approved, if, but, and and sometimes they just hear that you know they hear approved and they're like okay we're good to go. Sure. And and um, you know a good loan officer will reiterate like hey keep your job, mm-hmm. you know a lot of t- like keep working the overtime if we're using overtime to help you qualify keep keep doing that. Um, yeah, don't switch jobs, uh, pay, pay your bills. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes like I, have had instances where like, Hey, you're approved, but we got to keep your homeowner's insurance at X. Uh, It's got to be X per month or our debt ratio is too high. going to be too high. And, you know, they wait to the very last minute to get homeowner's insurance. Um, and homeowner's insurance, and, and I'm sure you guys are all homeowners. You've seen, that's not a. That's not a cheap thing anymore. No. Um, and in Cheyenne, you know, the hail, the hailstorms have, have caused a lot of damage in the past. Uh, we've gotten lucky uh, the past couple of years. But, um, you know, the homeowner's insurance premiums, you know, vehicle insurance premiums, they're just, they're really making it even tougher to qualify for, for a loan, you know, on top of higher interest rates mm-hmm. and, and high purchase prices, like, mm-hmm. um, and high real estate values. It's, it's gotten a lot tougher for, you know, a single person with the, you know, a decent paying job to be able to qualify for a home. And, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely hopeful that, that interest rates, uh, start to cooperate. Um, I think that's, that's probably the most optimistic thing that can happen because I'll tell you I don't think home prices are going to come down, down. Not, yeah. 
Not even a little bit. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, if there's one thing I would tell you, if you're ready to buy a home, if it's if it's the right time to buy a home and you can find the right home, because there is a, a, a very low amount of inventory out there right now, so don't just buy one just to buy one. Make sure it's the right one. But yeah, rates may not be, you know, 2 and 3% like we saw in the, during the pandemic, but if you can buy a home now and you can qualify, your lender says, hey, you're good to go, or, you know, for those folks fortunate enough to, to pay for it cash, buy it, buy it now. Because when rates come down, a lot of these folks are going to come off the fence yep. and they're going to they're gonna start entering the market and you think... Um, you know, a lot of people already own homes and they're like, well, you know, we have the two bedrooms, we have the, the one car garage or the two car garage. We'd really love to, to move up, maybe get some acreage, maybe get a little more square footage, but those people are not leaving their homes right now and their two no. and 3% rates for seven or eight, but they may for they may five for or six, or five. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to have a lot more competition at that point. Um, it's going to become a seller's market really, really quick again. And it, you saw the seller's market in 2021. They were listing it for what they wanted to list it for. Getting, getting multiple want. offers. Yeah. Yeah. They did, you know, they, they, they were getting multiple offers. They didn't have to pay closing costs. They didn't have to do inspections. Clean it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, didn't, they weren't, they weren't scrubbing the baseboards or anything like that. Right. They, they just, and, they got what they wanted. And the last year or so has been different now sellers are helping pay for closing costs we're back to doing inspections and paying for repairs and that sort of thing so i would agree that now is a good time to buy because you're going to get the most you know um bang for your buck out of purchasing a home and i think you know from january 1 to you know middle into march if you're ready to buy i think you're gonna you're gonna see really really good returns uh, if you buy in that time period, because I think once summer hits and if inflation continues to slow down and we start to see some some holes in the uh, you know in the job market, which have already started, um, you'll see the Fed stop tightening monetary policy so much and and maybe start lowering lowering rates than. Uh, faster than than we thought they would. We're we're expecting three rate high or three rate decreases this year. That's kind of the consensus among the Fed members. Um, the market's already priced in more than that. Um, but you know, unless there's a crazy increase in in wages or or, or, or jobs um, or the a, a, a decrease in in um, the unemployment rate or inflation starts to spike back up again, that's where we think rates are headed. Um, you know, personally, I, I could see rates getting a little bit lower this year. The market has already priced in more rate decreases than I think the Fed is, is going to do this year. And so there might still be people on the fence, like, hearing that, going, okay, over the course of 2024, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna lower rates three more times. Mm-hmm. That's already been priced into the market. So if you're so they waiting, shouldn't wait. They shouldn't wait because yeah. unless they decrease it more, rates might stay pretty stagnant here. And and you know, and the the thirty year mortgage rates in the it's in the upper sixes right now. Um, you know, VA and FHA loans are a little bit lower, but I I think we could see, you know, finally some 
you know, rates not just going up and down every single day. Leveling which, off which a little better. That, that makes my job a heck of a lot easier trying to, you know, just locking it in and not worrying about it going way up or not worrying about it going way down before we close on it because that, you know, uh, in 2023, the rates, you know, in a month could be a percent different. Mm-hmm. So what do you do if you pre-approve somebody and you lock in a rate of, you know, let's say 7.2% or whatever the case is, and the transaction drags along a little bit, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it takes a little while to sell the home or whatever the, and by the time we're getting ready to close, it has dropped below 7%. What do you do? Are they still locked in at the 7.2 or how does that work? That generally, yeah. 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 Okay. Once you lock in a rate, you, you prevent it from going up and you, you know, you, you don't always get the lower rate. Are there ways around it? Yeah, there's, you know, we don't we don't want to lose a deal if it's seven and a quarter and the rate drops to six and a half in 30 days. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that can be several hundred dollars depending on yeah. your, your loan amount. And and sometimes you can renegotiate that rate. You okay. Know? Um, you can. It's, uh, it, it happens. I mean, we certainly don't want to lose a deal. Sure. Um, you know, there there might be big pay cuts to the to the company that you may not be able to renegotiate it. In, but we don't want to lose it to another lender who doesn't have them locked in already. Sure. You know, right? Um, so there are ways to, to renegotiate rates if they if they get lower. Uh, you know, enough to make lower. that worth it. Yeah, yep. and that that happened to you know uh, I got lucky to where I I don't think I locked anybody in at eight percent and then. And in four weeks, y'all, it was where we're at right now. We're, it might be six weeks, but you know how contracts go. 30 days is, is pretty normal for, mm-hmm. you know, when sure. you sign a contract to when you sign the closing papers, 30 days is pretty normal. Um, sometimes it's six weeks. Sometimes they got to sell a house. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see rate swings like that, I mean, I'd rather have it stay at six and a half for a year then go from seven to six to five and a half to six and a half and, and those those yeah. big price yep. swings make your your job as a loan officer really tough because we we can't predict the market no we can't we can follow what the fed does and what the 10-year treasury yield is doing but as we've seen especially over the last couple of years this economy is incredibly unpredictable mm-hmm. i mean how, how many times did you hear the word recession yeah. over the past year and a half? yes um, and there's a lot of folks that will say that we were in a, in a recession. Um, but, you know, the last great recession that we had in 2008 when I, you know, still in college, real estate values, they, they tanked at that particular time. Um, the average uh, loan-to-value percentage during that time was about 81%, though. And right now it's, it's, like, it's like 50%. Yeah. So people have a ton more equity during this maybe period of potentially going into a mild uh, recession than they ever have. So I just don't think that we're going to see real estate values drop. I mean, no. uh, I, I really don't. And I think with this first quarter of 2024, uh, you know, any real estate agents that have clients that are on the fence – I promise you, this is this, this is, is the, the time, time to, to buy. So, a house. is that your is that your piece of advice that you would like the listeners to hear right now? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can wait until rates go down. Um, 
But then you're going to be competing with this guy and that guy, mm-hmm. and the sellers are going to start puffing their chest out again, and they're going to go, <laughs> "I'm not paying your, I'm not paying your closing cost. I'm not, I'm not fixing that. That's a, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's not a furnace. That's you, 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 you want these things that need to be fixed. I, I don't have to because I've got two other offers. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and it's and it's weird to say because you know I I chose to go into mortgages. And, you know, I got really lucky in 2012, and rates were four something percent at that point in time. And y'all, they never really got above five for ten years. That is so, incredible. <clears throat> um, I mean, for a short period of time in 2018, they were five and a quarter and mm-hmm. five and a half, maybe, and people were losing their minds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I was too. I was like, "What is this? Five and a quarter? Five and a half? I <laughs> wish it was five and a quarter. Five and a half." Yeah, now yeah. we take it. <laughs> yeah, we, we we definitely take it. But um, you know, when you see these enormous rate swings like that, it's just it makes it makes your job tougher, makes my job tougher. Um, you know, for for buyers and sellers, like it's it, it makes it a lot tougher. It, it it'd be nice to have some stability in the interest rate market just so you you know if if you qualified somebody when rates were at seven percent and then all of a sudden they're they're shopping for two three four weeks trying to find the right house and you should always try to find the right house something you can stay in three to five years and the rates jump one percent you could go from qualifying to just not Not even qualifying anymore yeah um and that's that's tough. It's it's a it's a tough market to be in for first time homebuyers, um, but it's it's gotten better in the sense that there's some there's some great programs out there with with low interest rates and low down payment requirements for first time homeowners. And I really I, I do you guys know of a homeowner that's owned their home for five years that says I wish I would have never bought a house? Never. No. Anybody? No. I've never heard that. No. <laughs> it's they never regret it. No. I, I, I regret selling a house. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Agree. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the first house we sold in, in um, bought it around 2008. Yeah. yeah. Um, sold it in 2016 when we made the, the next move up. And, you know, me being a lender, we, we see the appraisals and on appraisals, they use comparable sales. And I was doing a, I was doing a loan for a, a property near the one that I had sold. And, I saw my house. It sold uh, that I that I sold in 2016. It sold again in 2020 for more than twice what I what I sold made. It for. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, it was it was uh, kind of one of those fall out of your chair moments that um, that you know maybe you could have kept it and, and made it Rented work it. and ter- turned mm-hmm. it into a rental and you know you kick yourself, but um, you know when the when you buy a house sometimes and you, you want that equity from the home that you sold. Go into the next one, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. And, you know, like, unlike a lot of others, I don't I don't know how I would, um, I don't know how I would be as a landlord. I, I really don't, you know, having the, the, the chance that somebody doesn't take care of the property the way the way that you would and written it out. And, yeah. I, you know, you... you after a while, you, you start to deal with a, a certain caliber of people, people that take care of their credit, that can buy a home, that have jobs. And and maybe, you know, maybe you get the, that perfect renter that takes care of the property just as good as you would, but you've 
uh, you know, I've had a ton of clients that tell me their horror stories and oh yeah, people that have trashed their, more horror their stories than good stories. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd, I'd love to hear more of the the good, the good stories. stories. Yeah, <laughs> I would. But, well, uh, I will say, even though that does happen, um, one of the things that we talk about here, we've talked about here on the podcast, but just out in general with friends and such is thinking bigger. You know, like I think. I think Grant and I can look over the years, the homes that we have owned, and I think, why didn't we keep that and rent it out and then purchase the next home? Because then you're acquiring real estate, Mm -hmm. and that always, that's very rarely ever a bad thing, right? And so, you know, the, I think we get locked into thinking we have to sell this house to buy this house, and in probably a lot of situations, that's absolutely true. That is what needs to happen. But I would also encourage um, uh, listeners out there to just take a gander at: Is it possible to keep this property and rent it and still purchase another property? Like, what does that look like? And just have the conversation with your lender: Is this a possibility for me? Does this make sense for me? Because ultimately, ultimately, what we want for people is to be financially stable as they're moving forward and, you know, growing older. And so just that thinking bigger is something um, I think that what does happen to me sometimes is I just get limited in my thinking that things only can happen a certain way. They can happen in other ways. So just so a lot of people made a a, a lot of wealth, you know, starting in the early 2000s when it was you know, it was easy to get a mortgage in the right. early, early 2000s, right? There wasn't near the um, the documentation requirements or, you know, the verifications that we have to go through ever since 2008 with the mm-hmm. subprime mortgage crisis. Yep. Um, mortgages are done and they're, 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 they're sold to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and those companies, uh, they don't have to buy the loans that are originated by these mortgage companies. They, they don't. And, um, so they're they're going to make sure that they they have the that you know they meet the requirements the credit score requirements the you know the income the continuity of income mm-hmm. you know did they did you have the assets verified and there's there's a lot more to it than that um, but mortgages are done a, a lot more thoroughly than they they were back in the early 2000s but you know we had a lot of folks that built a lot of wealth putting a little bit of money down living there for a year or two buy another one turn that one into a rental and mm-hmm. then you had that cycle mm-hmm. and some people made a lot of wealth doing it that way mm-hmm. and some people didn't didn't do so well right sure um when when property values um started to fall and you you know you had one bad renter or you you know that that kind of domino to where you couldn't pay this mortgage and you can't pay that one and and all of a sudden you have people that you know aren't making a whole lot of money but own four or five houses right Mm -hmm. and and if one thing goes wrong it's a domino effect sure that's why we had a a big surge of of foreclosures um in in 2000 in 2007 and 8 and 9 and 10 for that matter um, and the, the whole way the mortgage industry worked was was completely turned around and and it's and I learned it I learned it kind of the hard way which is a, which was a good thing and I always kind of take that as a blessing because you know there's a lot of professionals that used to be able to do mortgages and not have to put a, a whole lot of, um, of work into to verifying 
you know, if that person could repay that mortgage. Well, I think that there's, I mean, it seems like over the last year, there's been a lot of fear mongering online of people saying that they're, you know, we're in a housing bubble or the housing market is going to crash and just really scaring people. And I think a lot about what you just said in that there's a lot more, um, uh, hoops to jump through. You know, there's a lot more that goes into qualifying for a mortgage now. So it's different than it was in 2008. And plus, like you said, people have so much more equity in their homes now. It's just as a different situation. And I just, I always tell people, talk to your lender, talk to a lender. Don't just listen to sure. the stories you're hearing online because it's a different beast now than it was 15 years ago. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not seeing a big surge in foreclosures. We're just, mm -mm. we're not seeing it. And and that was, uh, you know, and I would encourage, you know, the listeners, if you're like, what is it? What is it? What is he talking about from 2008? Like, what? how did that happen? How did, you know, how did, how did we get in such a bad subprime mortgage crisis? Go, you know, the easiest thing to do is, is watch the movie The Big Short. Okay? Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. I, I remember watching watching the movie and, and 10 minutes into it I'm like hey I, I know this guy and I, well, I I've read about that guy I'm, I'm like what where have I seen have I seen this movie before and I realized I'm like okay yeah I've read the book I oh, forgot okay. that I had, I had read that book and I'm watching the movie but uh, the movie does a, a really good job and ladies Ryan, Ryan Gosling's in the movie so they, you know. <laughs> there's the and incentive he, and, and every once in a while he, he, he'll like turn to the camera which and look directly into the camera and, and kind of dumb it down, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's a really, you know, good for the average American consumer that's like, how did we, how did we get to this mm -hmm. great recession? And that was, a, that was a big part of it, you know. They, this, this uh, big hedge fund investor started looking at these mortgages and going, these aren't very good. This, I mean, and he looked at the thousands and thousands of individual mortgages, their, their pay stubs and their W-2s. And, and some of these were being bundled up as, as really good mortgage backed securities. Like the housing markets never tanked. Like, and he looked at it and he went the way the mortgage world worked and how you got approved for a loan was getting way too lax. And there was, you know, a lot of holes in some of these loan applications and he, he figured it out and he found a way to short or bet against the housing market. And, you know, he made millions and billions of dollars, unfortunately, at the expense of the, you know, United States economy. Wow. But it, uh, it was a real eye-opener. And then uh, you saw certain things come into play, like Dodd-Frank and the ability to repay and the qualified mortgage rule. All those, you know, new regulations came into play, and we... We tend to do things the, the right way. We can still get creative, and it's I'm not trying to scare people and say, hey, it's impossible to, to, to qualify for a mortgage. But, you know, they just want to see a little more stability in your financial situation mm -hmm. than what they did 25 years ago. And they should, because we're yeah. not trying to set people up for failure. Right. I, th I, I liken it to um, traveling through the airport prior to 9-11, versus now yeah. right like there yeah just there really wasn't security. there was and 
I don't mind going through security now. I don't mind going through and making sure that everybody is safe that come that enters into the sure. airport and gets onto an airplane. And it does take a little bit of extra time, but there's some peace of mind associated with that if you consider pre-9-11. And I don't, I don't even remember what security was like prior to then, but it definitely wasn't what it is now. <laughs> and we all fly feeling a little safer knowing that that's in place. So to me, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You know, that these these measures are in place to protect everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you um, coming and talking to us. I have one last question that I've been asking every person that comes on the show. Um, And it's just kind of a fun question. So it'll be interesting to see what you say. But if you could purchase a property anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I didn't see that question on there. <laughs> uh, so we're putting you, you on didn't the spot. prepare? Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was focusing on the, the other stuff. Where would I, where would I live? You know, I, I would say in the, in the mountains somewhere. Yeah. I, in, somewhere in Wyoming, I, I really would. Um, you know, a lot of people I'm guessing are saying somewhere on the beach in Costa Rica. I mean, that wouldn't. That's what I said. So nobody has said that. Nobody except has for me. said that. Nobody, I, actually, nobody. interestingly enough, everyone's kind of like you. They want to live. <laughs> they want to if they could purchase a property. They're not anywhere, far from where uh-uh. they live, mm-hmm. so they can access it, right? Yeah, I, you know, it'd be cool yeah. to have a big hunting property. You know, maybe it's back in my hometown in, in Missouri. Just you know, families there, and um, but. Yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily want the the, the beachfront property or, or mm-hmm. anything like that. I, I, I'm more of a mountain guy than a than a beach guy, so um, you know, if you could have both, I, yeah, sure, I'll take both. But um, yeah. I would say somewhere in the mountains with a couple hundred acres and you know, good hunt land, the nice little you know cabin or lodge. You can bring your friends out there, that type of deal, and just mm-hmm. escape from the everyday. That would be mine too. Very yep. close. I love that. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us yeah, today, Josh. This has been great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. This episode of Beyond the Front Door is brought to you by Peak Properties in Cheyenne, Wyoming. With over 75 years of combined experience in real estate, it's our goal to help clients buy and sell and save by providing the information you want and the professional services you expect. Let us help you with your residential, commercial, HUD, income-producing properties, as well as vacant land and rental needs. To learn more, visit www.sellcheyenne.com.